Welcome back to the show. This is episode 12 of the My Three Picks podcast. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about this podcast is I get the chance to talk to people who I think have made a really have made some really intentional decisions in their life uh, about changes they want to make and just directions they want to go. You know, change is happening, I think, for these folks in like a really positive way because of those decisions. It affects them at a personal level, I'm sure, but it's also made or is making uh, profound positive changes on those around them too. So I think that sense of positive change is a constant through all my guests that I have on the show. And honestly, I know I say this about like everybody who comes on the show, but today's guest has excited me greatly to come on. And it kind of came out of the blue in a way. Um, but afterwards, I started thinking to myself, okay, you know, he's coming on the show. He's coming on the show. Of course, why wouldn't he come on the show? He is the perfect example of the kind of guy that I want to have on the show and talk about. So with all that build up, um, he's laughing at me. I can see him. My, my guest today is Zach Kellum. And not only is Zach a guest, he's a friend. And as we shared information coming up today, I started to get a much better understanding of all the things he's been doing and involved with. And as I said, I, I just got really excited at the chance to talk more with him about that. So Zach is a Toronto-based composer. He's a creative director. He's a songwriter. Some of the music and, and, and compositions he's, he's created have been Sesame Street, the National Film Board of Canada, and CBC, just to name a few. He's also, he's, been, he's a creative director of his own agency, The Department, Inc., um, and he's led like major branding exercises for brands like Corona and others. And, you know, one of the things actually with that in mind is he's done a lot of that work he's done with them about eco-sustainable marketing and merchandising strategies. So again, like heart-led work, I think. Um, he's recorded two albums of his own songs and a big and, and emphasis on and, um, he's recently created an initiative called Zero to Song, and that's a creative songwriting boot camp that's desired to inspire others to show up and be present as songwriters, uh, share their voices, and to sharpen their own skills and amplify ideas. Build a community, I think, of creative people. Man, I am feeling so positive and inspired already. <laughs> Zach, welcome to the show. Excellent. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for such a warm introduction. Wow. Yeah, now I'm excited. I'm yeah, stoked. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> we just we just had a, a, a chat about just kind of the rigors of of like restrictions on COVID. Let's do this. Let let us do this. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's go let's deep. Get into it. So I, I didn't mention actually in kind of my my very short int introduction for all the stuff you've been up to. You've been practicing yoga for a long time, yeah. and, and you're yeah. and you're also one of the things you're you're doing. Kind of you know one of the other many things you're doing right. is you 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 accompany classes with your steel pedal guitar. What, yeah, what, yeah. Tell me yeah. about that. So that um, uh, I'm lucky enough to live in a neighborhood. There's a, a great yoga studio around the corner, um, a Moto Moto Yoga Bloor West. And um, shout out, shout out, Moto yeah, shout out, shout out there. And um, the community at that studio um, included a number of friends, one of them, interestingly, a, a great artist named Marina Dempster. And she suggested that I um, start playing music to accompany classes there. And when she mentioned it, I wasn't playing a lot of music at all. I was doing a lot of composition, but I do that in isolation. The thought of playing in front of people, the thought of improvising in front of people was terrifying. Yeah. Um, 
But in the back of my head, I also knew the importance of playing in front of people and receiving that immediate feedback. And I know firsthand how that can sharpen me as a player uh, and as an artist in general. Um, Pedal steel was very new to me. Yeah. Uh, And so just even the mention of it gave me butterflies. (laughs) And that was almost... The, the reason I, I decided to uh, to take them up on the offer to uh, to start accompanying classes. Yeah. Um, and so before I knew it, I was playing weekly. I was playing in front of people. I was making stuff up on the spot. Okay. Uh, I was battling all the voices in my head, even as I was playing through the practice, the voices that were saying, oh my God, dude, this is there's a room full of critics who feel like they're sitting in a room with a 17 year old who's learning an instrument, right. just quit while you're ahead. You're going to yeah. make, you're killing the vibe. Um, <laughs> but after every class, the feedback was, was quite the opposite. And I was able to sort of hone my, my chops and, and as a composer, actually it, it really loosened me up um, and turned into a weekly practice in front of other humans yeah. Uh, that just became quite energizing. And really, you mentioned, you used the the, the descriptor heart-led. Um, it really allowed me to recognize something that I was doing, you know, it, it professionally, I guess. I wasn't being paid for it, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was deeply fulfilling. Mm. Um, and it was a regular practice and it was in service to others. And I, I started to recognize how that give back was beginning to pay back in spades for me in terms of my confidence as an artist, in terms of my ability to, to create and, and share. Um, I mean, still about like, still thinking about you, like you, you're Mm -hmm. such a, you're, you have so many talents. I mean, I've known you a long time and I've known, you know, you know, back in the day, like, you know, playing in front of big crowds, like music, um, then, you know, because you have so many diverse interests and talents, mm-hmm. is it hard to, do you find it hard sometimes just to stay centered or like on track as a creative person? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you feel like you get pulled in a lot of directions and it's almost as though, you know, I can only give 20% here, 20%, 20 20%, you know, you don't have enough energy or time to go around. Do you find that there's some tension? Yep. There? Yep. Um, recently I got over that. Um, the biggest challenge for me was, Working in a corporate world and balancing yep. corporate and creative, yep. um, and like any small business owner, just like having to invoice and do my yeah. book, yeah. all of them, shit. Yeah. Um, even you know, I'm a I'm a fairly social person, so I always enjoy meeting clients. I enjoy that aspect of yep. the work, and that's no different than anybody I think who's working for themselves. That's an essential piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the tension for me was the changing of gears um, to go from, you know, playing a couple hours in a hot room to people doing yoga to a conference call about beer merchandise. Yeah. That's a, that's a challenge, Um, you know, to jump headspaces. However, one of the, one of the self-inflicted pieces of that challenge was my assumption that my credibility would be diluted if I let on that I have this music gig on the side to sure. some of my corporate clients. Yeah. You know, that my 
create my 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 credibility as a creative director would be diluted if if I told people that I was actually that I was a composer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I've struggled with that for a long time, and very recently, I guess maybe it's age related, but I just stopped giving a a hoot as it were and <laughs> and and I wear it on my sleeve um yeah and now I'm recognizing that my people respect it and when I say my people the the clients that I work for yeah. who are afraid of that yeah for whom that is frightening yeah yeah they've fallen away maybe but not, yeah maybe not the ones, much right the ones that are still standing are literally my people were yeah. friendly you know yeah. and that's business too sure. meeting finding your own people finding your own tribe tell me about like the young zach kellum like so what were some of your yeah the young zach kellum. <laughs> <laughs> what was, was like, that guy yeah who was that <laughs> do you do you do you remember you know early inspirations or things that oh, and things that you you know from a very early age where you just like you know what i know the guy i want to become and this is the way mm-hmm. i'm going to do it uh sort of sort of sort of yeah um no i never knew the way i was going to do it i just assumed it would happen okay um like what would happen? Assume what would happen. Oh, I assumed I'd be a rock star. Okay, and I'm sorry. And just to this to... day, I'm surprised that I'm not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that aside, <laughs> you're not, wait a minute. You're not a rock star. Okay, this, this podcast. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to disappoint. Um, so no, it, quite literally. Um, however, um, did I know how I'd get here? Sort of, not really, and I allowed myself to follow uh, a number of different paths over the years. Um, There's certainly, there are certainly voices in my head that occasionally pipe up and, and wish that I'd taken a more direct route to where I am right now. Okay. Uh, Wishing I had, you know, if, if you do something for 20 years, you know, you're bound to get good at it. And, and in Canada anyway, chances are, you'll find a way to make a living at it and yeah. you can find a, you know, and yeah. that's kind of what, that's where I am. That sounds uh, extremely privileged to say, mm. uh, but I am. Yeah. Um, and I can't ignore that. So what am I trying to say when I was a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the rock star dreams were there. I remember as a child wanting, oops, Sorry about that. That's okay. Wanting my own recording studio. Okay. I was very lucky to uh, grow up with a father who was very involved in entertainment and, and television production. That was the business he was in. Yeah. Um, he was also a, a good musician and he worked with excellent musicians. Okay. Um, so I was exposed to them at a very early age. So, so um, your dad, your dad sounds like a quite a strong influence in terms of inspiration for you. But how you know, living kind of yeah. those multiple, yeah. like he, clearly your dad had like talents in in mm-hmm. film, film and television, but he also had yeah. artistic talents that he also explored. Yeah, for for sure. And so he was he was a a, a living example in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, he was slightly different though because he worked on the production side. 
in his career as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked on fantastic shows as a kid. I was, you know, exposed to, as I, I mentioned, really talented people, really funny people sometimes. Yeah. Um, but he also followed uh, a different route. He went to school. He went to Ryerson. He studied radio television arts, yep. uh, became a TV producer, worked mm-hmm. with CBC and, and sort of wrote a CBC career from his twenties to retirement, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, considering he retired in the early two thousands too. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's a long period of time where a lot of people felt the change of, of, of career norms in working for big corporations. Yeah. Et I, so as far as the younger me knowing how to get where I am, I knew as a, a young musician, um, I just had to play and write and, and do those things. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't any structure to what I was doing other than aligning with, you know, the smartest people I knew and could find and, and booking gigs and playing with them and having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to becoming a creative director, that was a B plan. Yeah. Uh, that <clears throat> ultimately, became what it was because I needed a, a job that could pay the bills and would would be forgiving if I wanted to rehearse or go on the road or right. whatever. Right. Um, and right. So I started working for myself at a really young age um, and learned how to make that work. I, w- I was working with my wife, Joanna. Um, we had our own, you know, it was a small creative company, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that grew into what the department still is, um, mm-hmm. you know, close to 30 years ago. Okay, so image one. Um, yes. This is a beautiful one. Joanna Ferrero, Way Too Blue from Hinterland is the, is the name of it. Why did you choose this one? Um, okay, so this is a piece. So years ago, uh, Joanna and I, my wife Joanna, not this Joanna Ferrero, the artist, uh, Joanna Reynolds and I owned an art gallery. And one of the shows that we hung was jo- was a Joanna Ferrero show, a photography show. Um, and this was, this was maybe one of our favorite pieces. Um, yeah. And it hangs, I... I can't remember if we bought it or traded it to be honest right. uh traded for it but we we have it <laughs> and it's and it's giant uh okay. it, it's 38 by 54 and we've always loved it yeah um for me obviously like it's it's uh it's not your typical landscape they're they're she's created a mood and a texture mm-hmm. through this multiple exposure sort of look, this jittery kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, effect that she's, that she's worked into this piece. So initially when you asked me to, uh, to do this show, you suggested that I talk about music as opposed to photographs. And I was super excited about this uh, because I think about visual art in the way that I think about music Um and with this piece in particular, for me, it's all about the texture. It's about the color and the tone that is helping to create a mood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real lead line in this. Everything, yeah. and so by lead line, there's in a song that would be your vocal melody or your guitar solo or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
this is this is textural. Mm-hmm. And the hint of the lead line, which would be the horizon, and I guess, you know, anything in the foreground, it's sort of obscured by the texture that's that's being created by the um by the multiple exposure effect or the jittery kind of lens or shutter effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of why I love it. I love the the coldness of the colors. Yeah. Um, I believe she took this, I want to say in, in April or something. So it's, it's deep transitional season in Canada, Absolutely. Yeah. in Ontario. Um, it's not like autumn where there are still leaves on trees. This is, this is after the winter. Mm-hmm. This is before the buds have formed. Um, this is, you know, the snow has turned to mud Mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of icky. Um, but it's also cold and it's, it's somewhat hopeful in the, some of the golds that I see in the, in the grass, uh, in the field before, before the trees take over. And that's, that's what the photo means to me. Um, it's also huge. I mentioned 38 by 54. And I mentioned that because I never really think of size of print as being, uh, integral to the impact that a photograph makes however in this case it's a big part for me yeah um, i love the size of it i love the i love the the way that i can really lose myself in it i can get close enough that you know i can i've still got peripheral vision around it but i can i can really get into that yeah. shot in a way yeah. that as a smaller piece, it, it might not uh, it might not have the same impact. Um, yeah. She's playing with technology, you know. She's playing with the tools at her disposal, and I I kind of like that too. You know, a camera is really an efficient machine for capturing light, ultimately on paper or on a screen or something like that. But in this case, she's she's using the toy to create something more than, you know, just a, a record of a moment. Right. She's played with the image. And I like that. I, I like toying with it. Yeah. I like toying with it. I, it's, it's playful in that way. And it also speaks to, you know, for me, some of the th- throwaway shots. If this happened by accident. Sure. It wouldn't make it into a show necessarily, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's very intentional. And I love the intention of that. Yeah. Um, and so, and so if it, if it were an impression, if it were an abstract painting, yeah. um, you know, it, I think it would be awesome too. And, and right. it becomes in that way, it becomes what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. I see the, I see right. the stripes of color. I see, I see the, the combinations of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just sort of allows me to relax my understanding of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Accept it for what it is. Do you think, do you think like art as a, as a thing, well, again, whether that be music or painting, is there is there kind of a um, I don't know if the word is responsibility, but like, you know, what role does the artist play really in today's in today's world in helping people mm-hmm. in helping people see just see period? You know, like, what is the role of the artist? Is there a role for an artist? Well, um, you know, in terms of music. And everything for me comes back to music. Yeah. Um, and so I see, I see art through the analogy of my understanding of songs and music. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of a responsibility as a songwriter, and even in the course that I'm teaching, I am quite explicit about 
wanting people to exercise their creativity and strengthen their skills with an intention of spreading messages of positivity and love, which sounds totally hippy dippy, but, <laughs> but, but you know, why if, not though? Why if, not that message? Why, why not? If, if why not lace it in, if people are going to improve their deal, the last thing I want to do is sharpen the next fucking Donald Trump. Right. right? So anyhow, or, or one of his minions. So excuse the passion. Um, but but quite quite literally, part of that too is the recognition of incomfort and arguably complacency that those of us with messages of positivity and love have had in our hearts. Mm. We have not necessarily sharpened our skills to the point where we are affecting people at a reliable level globally. Therefore, leaving a void that has been filled by the dark side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Quite literally, the clowns that up until very recently were running the world from south of our border. So yeah. that's a little far stretching. But when I think about the responsibility of an artist, the responsibility is to sharpen their skills and express whatever is in their heart and head to their best potential to their fullest potential, thereby either telling a story literally themselves or figuratively through metaphor or through the metaphor of their visual art. Mm. And if all that work does is inspire others to take it and do their best, mm -hmm. then they've done their job. That's, right. that's my feeling as far as using our creativity responsibly yeah. and, and the role it plays. I'm so impressed and I love the idea so much of this Zero to Song initiative that you've started. Um, you know, just in terms of that, like, democratization of kind of art and like allowing people to explore creativity, mm -hmm. um, you know, helping people to explore creativity, full stop, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, part of, part of, I'm rambling now too, but part of the idea of like, even this podcast is like, I don't believe that i believe everybody can create art i believe everybody can appreciate great imagery and beauty and 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 again it's a, it's more about stories right of people so it's less important to me to have a rock star on as it is to have you know just somebody i think who's got an interesting story right and and we all share that creative kind of enjoyment yeah. of art right so anyways wow what a ramble what a rant but anyway back to the <laughs> well back to the democratization of art yeah uh one of the cornerstones of zero to song is helping people you know there are so many blocks to accessibility when it comes to songwriting that yeah. a lot of songwriters don't necessarily understand songwriting is a skill it's not a talent it's something that can be learned mm -hmm. um songs that we hear on the radio that are popular songs that we've grown up with are the result of eons of human culture right uh it just happens to be the most recent iteration of something that's been happening since people sat around fires uh and and made music of some sort right. so it's a, it's a it's an ongoing evolution um, but within that evolution, there are certain rules to follow that 
without a little critical examination might go over your head. Right. I know that a lot of the songs that I wrote as a, as a young person don't really, you know, they always grooved. They always, they always had something, but it's interesting for me. It's a great study for me to go back and look at my earliest work and see the pieces that nailed it mm. versus the ones that, that, I kind of just sort of spat out and and just sort of followed my you know path to greatest pleasure in terms right. of playing and singing. Right. Um, those ones sometimes they made an impact, but it was a limited impact. Impact, and I didn't know enough to to mm -hmm. know what it was that could change to make those songs more accessible to more people. And I think by one of the cornerstones of Zero to Song is helping people create songs that stand a better chance of being heard, loved, sung, and, and shared. Right. Um, and for a song, uh, production aside, like production value aside, a song can exist as a, a lyric and a melody. And if people can learn to harness their skills to create a lyric and a melody that follows a pleasing path and they're sharing a message that is worthy of sharing beyond the initial performance, that can be a very powerful thing. So yeah. putting these tools in the hands of, of people who might not um, have happened upon the lecture series or the, the, you know, Canada Music Week panel talks that I've that I've been lucky enough to sit in on or the yeah. whatever the songwriting seminars were that I've done, whatever songwriting courses I've done, whatever books I've read, whatever experience yeah. of that. Right. Um, in terms of the democratization of the uh, the the medium, the art form, I think that uh, I think that sharing it as far and wide as possible is a great thing. Oh, totally. I do too. Do you get people participate or so far have you had people participating who like have had very little experience in yes. this? Okay. Cause yeah. one the, I got to tell you, like one of the things that kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that uh, I was reflecting on as I was kind of looking over the website too, <clears throat> was, um, you know, beyond the opportunity to create, a, a, you know, to write a great song or, so much more personally could come out of that experience just from a development perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like it's kind of, I, I don't know why, but I was thinking it's kind of like, you know, signing up for like an improv course, you know? It's, yeah, totally like that. It's, right? and, and it's, it's a challenge. Um, it, it's a creative challenge that I think um, I love finding myself in when, when I do, you know, take the initiative to throw myself into a uh, new territory. Yeah. Uh, for me, songwriting is, I've been, it's something I've been doing all my life. Um, or at least, you know, since I was 15 or so. Um, and so, yeah, it, in order to, and this, I can relate to photography too. Um, and I was I was going to, going to mention it in the in the next piece the uh, the the Mexican piece mm -hmm. um, in songwriting, you know it's one thing to say you know in a lyric say oh I love you I love you I loved you forever and I'm going to love you forever still mm -hmm. um, that's a lovely sentiment and you know I, I recognize that that isn't the most poetic 
uh, expression of those lines or of that sentiment. However, if in songwriting, in great songwriting, and in all of the songs that I think we love, or at least a lot of them, laced within those lyrics are little triggers, little memory triggers that are usually sense-based. Often they're visually based. Sometimes they're they're bigger than that. Sometimes it's the touch of skin or mm. or, or or the smell of a, a room or a house or a perfume sure. or something like that. That cause the listener to remember experiencing something just like that at some point in their mind, which triggers an emotional response to that memory that is then associated to that sentiment of, oh, I've loved you forever and I'm going to love you forever still, or whatever the lyric might be. So those, the inclusion of little details like that just help the writer or the creator, the artist, to convey emotion, not just to sing a pretty tune or to to make somebody happy through melody and and simple ideas. In photography and in the next piece, the the Mexican piece, um, there are little, I don't know how closely you looked at that photo, but there are little details in that photo that are really uh, surprising to me and add a layer of emotion to that image that were really nice to discover and allow me to go beyond the sentiment of the of the image which is you know sort of this this river scene uh with a lot of you know a lot of trees and wildlife and 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 nature um but if you look closely there's there's an old tire in the mud if you look closely, there's one of those uh, uh, nylon uh, sacks, like a yeah. concrete bag or something mm-hmm. like a rock bag, yeah. just sort of half buried in the mud. Yeah. And all of a sudden that takes me from, you know, this, oh, that's a love. Oh, that's nature. That's lovely. That's that's all natural to, ooh, look that's the ugly side. Yeah, of, look how we screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and. It takes me a while. And then also the sort of the emotional reaction to how many times have I been in nature uh, exploring, loving, and then I come across the trace of something, whether it's just garbage at a campsite or, you know, industrial remnants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and suddenly the spell is cracked and there's this, you know, tinge of anger and, right. And, right. And, and, all the, and sadness and all the rest of it. And that, yeah. that kind of takes me, me there. Um, just, for, just for those who might be following along online. So that's, <laughs> we're looking at the second image, which is right. by Alejandro Catagena, and it's called Lost River Number 2. <clears throat> um, beautiful piece. I mean, you know, you're right. Like, at first glance, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, I love rivers too. And I love the, I love greenery, like just being right. in that space just makes right. me feel good. Um, but you're right. Like, as you do look closer, you know, you see the the various pieces of trash and things like that. And it kind of jars you back into, do you think that was, do you think that was his intention in that piece? It was. And yeah. so this was part of a larger show that, um, that was all about the downside of development in, in Mexico, of suburban okay. development specifically, because okay. these, these suburbs were being built in 
these forested areas um, right. that were just, you know, the, the, part of the expense was <laughs> the loss of these areas. Yeah. Um, and so all of his pieces were these beautiful juxtapositions of uh, beautiful nature and, you know, just sort of thoughtless human waste. Yeah. Um, let's go to, let's go like jump from one picture to the next. And I know sure. the third, the third one you, you, you shared was, um, was a, was a portrait of Picasso. It's right. a, it's a, it's an older photo, obviously. So Tony Harding yeah. is the artist. It's Picasso and Arles. Yep. In France. And I mean, what a character, right? Like so much to look at here. Yeah. So What's, yeah. Tell me about this one. So this, I chose this piece because it, it brings up so much for me. Um, Picasso, I think, is a great example of uh, a man were better off separating from his work. Um, he was not the nicest character. Uh, he did sleep with the occasional child. Uh, and by child, I mean under 18. Uh, he did cheat on his wives. He did abuse his son to the extent that his son ultimately committed suicide. Uh, yet his work, <laughs> if you can put all that aside, which I think is hysterical, uh, as, a, as a, you know, a human ability that we can compartmentalize at this level. Um, but his work has had tremendous influence. We're living in a time where if somebody carried on at that level, no matter what they were doing career-wise, hopefully, you know, their work might suffer for it. Their success might suffer for it. Um, that's his daughter Paloma behind him. And Joanna and I had this conversation last night. She believes she refers to this as the portrait of Paloma. Mm -hmm. um, and we have this photo because it was taken by a friend of ours, Tony Harding, who spent time with that family. He was friends with uh, Picasso's son, Pablo. Okay. Pablo? No, no, uh, Paulo. It was Pablo. Uh, yeah, Paulo. Um, Paulo eventually committed suicide. Um, he grew up in the shadow of this guy mm. who apparently... Uh, he just was a source of constant um, emotional abuse mm. uh, to his to his own kid, um, and that's that's pretty monstrous. Excuse me. So when I say this brings up an awful lot, I grew up uh, thinking Picasso was you know this hero. Right. Um, my I, I always thought he was a cool looking guy. He is an interesting looking human. Yeah. Um, that's not why we respect him. That's not why we love him. Uh, his work, his, his, his artwork is why he remains part of our cultural fabric. Uh, and he is. Um, and so for all of these reasons, um, this photo has been demoted in our house to a bathroom, which, <laughs> which I think is hysterical. Uh, but it, you know, while it, while it uh, has commanded 
um, the respect of, of hanging on a wall for a, multi, a number of different reasons, the photographer, all of the emotions that it brings up, uh, the work that he's done, if, if one can even draw uh, uh, a relationship between this photo and, and the work that he created, um, you know, it, it provokes an awful lot. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's why it's, that's why I chose it. Um, you know, there, to me, there's, there's a very, there's, there's a strong kind of common theme coming out between them, you know, and that's like looking deeper than how things appear on the surface, you know, right. like, and, and not always in a positive way either. Right. Like mm-hmm. some, you know, again, and then not, I say not in a positive way, but just in a real way, I guess, mm-hmm. is something that kind of jumps out at me. So like, you know, the first image with the field is that sense of kind of like, it's spring, like we've just been through a brutal winter, like it's time yeah. to grow. And then the second one with the river, you know, the beautiful at first glance, but if you look a little closer, there's a story there. And mm-hmm. then similarly, similarly with the Picasso shot, there's so much going on, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so... That's interesting. It tells me a lot about you. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I love photography and I love getting lost in photos. I Mm. love, you know, as a, as an art form, there's just a lot you can do um, with, with imagery and, and you can use it as, you know, a painter can use a canvas and. um, Or as a musician, right. Or as a musician can, can use sound to, to create all of these, uh, textures and, and lead lines and soundscapes and rhythms to 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 create a, a auditory impression. Yeah. Um, the Lost River piece um, that was hanging in our bedroom for better like a couple of years before we noticed the garbage in the foreground. Right. We weren't really aware of it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we were kind of like, ew. Like yeah. all of a sudden you start imagining, you know, the the oil rainbows that would be yeah. you know, in yeah. the mud. And yeah. And, and you're like, and let's so, move this. Let's move this. Yeah, place. let's yeah. And yeah. so then it got moved somewhere else. <laughs> Let, I don't like to I I I I I've always hated First of all, I hate interviews. Not interviews. Oh. I've job interviews. I hate job interviews. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. But like, you know, the the dreaded question in the job interview is like, where do you see yourself in five years? But oh um, you know, if you if Zach was to look into the future in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. his own development, your own development as a mm-hmm. as an artist, you know, what do you think you'd see? What do you think you'd see if you looked into the mirror in in, in like five to ten years' time? What would you what would you see and then what would you hope to see? Right. Um, you know, I like to think that I'm in a period of growth right now. Um, I think I've just come to grips with the discomfort of growing pains, um, moving from a job to, to relaunching my own agency and, and, recognizing that that could work launching zero to song um and focusing on the the sort of idea of generosity with with knowledge um Mm -hmm. i want to see that go further i want to see i want to see my focus on that move move further 
I want to see that um, idea of generosity um, take more of a central role in my corporate life. Okay. Um, everything I've ever done business-wise has always been wrapped up in, you know, models of supply and demand and scarcity. Scarcity is such a catch word these days. Um, but if you can uh, suspend your disbelief and be truly generous with the knowledge that you have and with, uh, you know, the privilege we enjoy, uh, the payoff, to my experience, has just sort of followed suit. Mm. Um, sometimes it's not like... It, this is not my plan to get rich, you know, like right. the, give, give it all away. But at the same time, um, I'm not starving. I'm not hungry. I feel like things are going really well. I'm giving away an awful lot more than I ever have before. And as a result, I get that, subtle pressure to just improve my game, mm. become the best that I am, learn more to replace what I've given away, become better at what I've given away to help those who have adopted it or who have received it to become better themselves. Um, these are lessons that I should have, you know, I wish I'd, I'd taken more seriously as a kid. I remember a very good friend of mine started the guitar company um, which was really successful. He sold it to Gibson, which is, mm. as far as guitar companies go, yeah, Gibson's one of the big ones. <clears throat> For sure. Um, it, at a very early age, he was running his guitar shop, and he used to run these seminars teaching people how to maintain their guitars because he was sick of maintaining guitars. He wanted to focus on the bigger stuff, which yeah. was improving his game, getting bigger, dreaming bigger, doing uh, more impactful work. And so he taught people how to not waste his time doing, you know, changing strings and, and setting intonation. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he was able to focus on new ways of building guitars, mm -hmm. which in some ways revolutionized what was an arduous task. Right. Um, and so in a similar way, um, you know, it's not like people are driving me crazy, you know, with, with trivial requests. Uh, but at the same time, I like expanding the conversation on a, on a corporate level. I like letting people in on the creative process, allowing them a little access to stretch their legs and be involved, uh, not fearing that they might come up with the next big idea. Uh, instead, embracing the fact that they might come up with the the next big idea, and from there we can, you know, run even further when we move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, and and I can help channel that. I can help guide that. You know, mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. a responsible idea, a, a, a good idea. And then musically, uh, as I mentioned before, I think anybody who has the talent and the skill to help others or even to just inspire others you know if, if you're if you're just making work that is that is you know turning heads and and making a splash just get better at it inspire right. others to do that too yeah if you're capable of sharing your knowledge 
and allow people to create work that is going to be accessible to more people uh, because you know the ins and outs of what it takes. You know what is going to turn people off and what what could turn people on. You know how to open a few extra doors. Teach people how to open those doors and it'll do nothing but improve conditions for all of us. Raise the bars. We've been... I've been blown away at, at you know, our society is not set up to handle the low bars that have, that we've, you know, had to, had to deal with recently, yeah. starting with, you know, the mayor of Toronto a number of years ago into Rob or into uh, Donald Trump. It's just ridiculous. The conversations mm-hmm. that we have to have because of a dumbing down because yeah. of, Complacently, complacency and protection of, mm. of of certain things. The best ideas have not won, yeah. and the field has been, you know, the bars have been lowered to allow the most ridiculous arguments to be taking yeah. space in our minds. Well, um, you've got like, you know, I think you've got a tremendous amount of great stuff to kind of share and and t- you know teach. I don't know if the word is teach. I mean, teach yes, but like kind of explore with other people right yeah you know, so you've got this kind of great uh wealth of things so so well well done on you for doing thanks that. man yeah <laughs> hey do you have time for do you have time for some quick fire questions yeah yeah love it all right i love quick fire okay. all right favorite place to create oh my basement basement is the that, lair is that the lair that is the lair it's my but it, hmm it's my only place of late, you know, for a year and a half now, that's All right. been the only place, but yeah, I like my lair and you know what? It's, it's only getting better by the minute. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I painted it recently. Oh, it's, right. On. Uh, yeah. So it actually, um, is comfortable. Um, I've got to improve my speaker setup, but I love the privacy of that space and I'm going to do my best to sound insulate over the next, uh, ideally starting over the summer, but, um, I do love the privacy of a soundproof studio and there's nothing quite like it. Uh, Zeppelin or stones. Mm. 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 Stones. Okay. Someone you'd like to work with. I struggle with with that. I know it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Someone you'd like, you'd like to work with on a creative project. Hmm. Could be anybody, friend. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, you know, I'd love to co-write with Sting. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Fair. Good. Uh, Sting, I know you, I know you listen to this. So call Zach, please. Yeah. Yeah. Please. I know. Yeah. He's out there. Um, pizza, pizza, pizza or Mr. Sub. Oh, ooh, ah. Neither? Uh, mm, Mr. It's a Sub. It's a, it's a 416 question. If you know, No, Mr. Sub, without question. Okay, okay. Um, what, what moves you most about music? Uh, what moves me most about music? Yeah, what, uh, what draws, maybe, maybe I can rephrase that too. Yeah. What, what draws you to music most? Yeah, for me... I'm a sucker for lyrics. Okay. And I love the complexity that is created through 
um, you know, lyric melody and the harmony of a of a accompanying chord progression. Um, last one. What's your greatest indulgence or extravagance mm. personally? Right now it's sugar. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a popular one. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and caffeine and caffeine yeah well caffeine that hasn't hit the the yeah i don't see it as a taboo yet maybe i will <laughs> it's um true. it's true that and and uh psilocybin mush, micro dosing but that's a whole other that's, that's a another, whole other conversation that's another podcast um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's, it's been so nice to catch up with you and chat about uh, these things. Amazing. Amazing to catch up with you too. Great yeah. work. Um, from what I've listened uh, of the few that, that, uh, that you've launched with, um, I had a, a, a nice time last week actually listening to, to the podcast so far and found yeah. them wildly interesting. Oh, that's um, great. I appreciate so that. Best of luck to you as well. And congratulations. Yeah, well, I mean, again, as I said, like, I, you know, I've, I've, um, I've been excited. I, I was excited at the at the prospect of of talking to you about all the stuff you've been up to and doing. And then I think, literally, minute by minute, as we got closer to the podcast, I became like more excited about it and more interested in hearing what you say. And you delivered a hundred percent. If people are interested in getting in touch with Zach, uh, learning more about Zero to Song, or just chatting about projects, I think. Zach would be open to that idea too. I guess the best, and fill me in, Zach, if this is not yeah. the best way, but the, I, one of the, probably the best way to do that right now is through Zero to Song. I Zero to Song.com. Yeah. Yeah. Zero to Song.com. I'll put that into the, the notes of the podcast. Um, another way to get in touch with Zach, though, is through Instagram, and that's at Zach Kellum. Again, I'll put the notes to that in the podcast. Uh, Zach, again, it's so great to catch up with you, man. And I, 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 I'm just so appreciative of you coming on today. Honor to be here. Thanks, friend. Okay, take care, buddy. Okay. Okay. How much fun was that? Uh, that was great. I'm so glad Zach could come on and talk to us about you know, his path and his journey and his family life and how that's kind of stretched into uh, doing just a huge range of things that he's up to, you know, from the yoga to the strategic planning to the creative directing to zero to song. He's got such a story and such a full range of experiences. I'm so glad he can talk to us about that today. As always, I always appreciate if you download and subscribe to the podcast using uh, whatever service you do to do that so whether that be google spotify apple other you know what you're doing so just uh hit that subscribe and download button i would appreciate it next week on the show i've got calgary abstract artist david woodell joining me um totally interesting guy great story and you'll be interested to hear a few surprises along the way so i think it's a well worth tuning into that one um, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited to put that one up on the podcast for you. As always, I hope everybody stays safe and well in this crazy time. And until we speak again, take care. <laughs>